Check, check. One, two. Hey, it's working. Well, good morning again. Uh, it's good to see y'all. Appreciate y'all being here this morning. I love leading worship and preaching. Uh, it, it's always exciting for me to be able to do this. Um, I do crash pretty hard uh, Sunday afternoons, but um, it is really exciting for me. Um, so I want to start with a video this morning. Now let me set up the video. I've been involved with a ministry for like 12 years now. It's called Aldersgate Ministry. And I've met a lot of uh, really amazing people through this ministry, uh, people who have actually enhanced the worship ministry here at Fellowship. Uh, you guys know Michael and Kristen Ball. Uh, these are Aldersgate friends who have led worship here before. Uh, you, you guys know Gideon. Uh, he's normally playing strings or steel guitar for our special services. And so uh, these are really special people that I've met through the Aldersgate ministry through the years. Um, and so last year, Aldersgate Conference 2020 being 2020, you know, we did online only. It was a live stream. And we, right about five minutes before service starts, Tim Johnson, the, the preacher, the pastor of the, of the uh, camp, for that night, um, came up to the worship team, again, five minutes before service, he's like, man, I would love if one of y'all could play a shofar at the end of my sermon. And uh, if you don't know what a shofar is, it's, it's just a ram's horn. And the significance of the ram's horn is the Israelites uh, used it, the ram horn, ram's horn to, to kind of signify the presence of God before battle and in worship services. And so I've never played a ram's horn and none of us had. But when he asked the, the band to do this, we're all kind of looking at Gideon because he's the music wizard of us. And uh, he's like, all right, you know. And so he, he blows into this horn and, like, is not getting any sound out of this thing. And he's kind of starting to get nervous. And after a few minutes, I'm like, well, let me see if I – I played trumpet in high school. Let me, let me see what happens. So I grab the shofar and, and blow, and it's just the most perfect sound. Just – and uh, he, his eyes light up, and he's like, oh, you do it. Perfect. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? And I don't know, you know, what this thing is. And so, uh, I mean, again, this is right before service. Service starts. Uh, Tim preaches a sermon, and it's all fiery, and it's, it's a really, it's, it's a good sermon. He's, he's yelling. It's fire. And, uh, and then he goes, lead, play the shofar. And here's what happens. Notice Gideon on the far right here with the behind the keyboard. And again, very, very powerful moment in a service. That's all you can you can stop it there. 
but in a minute he's he starts like bending over the piano and all this and, and if you didn't know any better it's like oh man like holy spirit's getting a hold of him no he's trying not to laugh and michael is the same way and i'm like man these are my friends you know i did this for you <laughs> oh man it, uh, it's it's a humbling moment uh, for sure but um I show you that video. There's there's a shofar reference in one of the scriptures that we're talking about today, and so I just thought we could get a chuckle out of that. And anytime you're in your own scripture and you read shofar, just think about that. Um, and I'm sure they played it much better than I did. So anyway, I want to talk about prayer today. And I know there are so many sermons that you have heard about prayer, countless books, and about prayer. And and uh, but I want to ask you a question this morning. And you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but uh, I'd like for us to just be honest with ourselves this morning. Are you struggling to have a meaningful prayer life? Do you feel distance from, distant from God because of a struggle to have a prayer life? And today I hope that what we accomplish is a renewed sense of awe and wonder about what is actually taking place. What is really happening when we pray and last week, God showed me something uh, that, that my, my heart had become so cold toward him, so, so hard-hearted toward him, and it had been preventing me from hearing his voice. And uh, I, I had to repent of that, and, uh, you know, I, I'm still in coming back to him, and, and he's opening my eyes to so many things, but it just kind of got me thinking, like, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you, too, are struggling to have a really meaningful prayer life stay consistent with it um it always surprises me how quickly god brings me back and takes me back he heals me and he sets my feet on solid ground and i, I want you to know this morning that if that's you that can be a reality for you too this morning um and if you're thinking and, and you're like lee i have a great prayer life then you know i still think you can get some things out of this sermon but uh, know that like primarily I'm speaking to the people in the room and online this morning that are really struggling to have a meaningful consistent prayer life so um, let's hit today's first scripture and then we'll pray sound good all right John 15 5 very familiar scripture I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing so just keep that in the back of your mind this morning as as we talk about other things I'd love for that to just kind of underscore everything that happens today let's pray God I thank you I, I believe in divine appointment I know that every person who's here is here uh, by your hand and and your purpose and so God I pray that you would open us up to to receive your word this morning not my words not my agenda yours Lord God, help me to be open-minded and, and tender-hearted toward you. God, rid me of any desire to be impressive or smart. I just want to know you better, and I want your people to know you better. Bring us to a new sense of awe and wonder and excitement about prayer. Open our eyes up to what's really happening when we pray and talk to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Exodus, we're going old school today. Exodus 19, 9, verse 13. Let's jump in. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, 
so that the people may hear when I speak with you, and they also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments, and let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware, you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he surely shall be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall live. He shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So God says to Moses, I'm coming in three days. Before then, tell the people to consecrate themselves. On that third day, I'm going to speak to you in a pretty powerful way. And it's a way that everyone is going to know that you and I have spoken together. But this is a big deal. So please tell them not to touch the mountain. If they do, they need to be put to death. So we see here that there's some preparation happening that's required for Moses to be able to meet with the Lord, that this is to be a serious thing, not taken lightly. There's no haphazardness in this encounter. And and to be honest with you, when I read that passage at first, it kind of seems harsh, doesn't it? It's like, you know, do they really have to die? Like, you know, it, it seems extreme. But I think for two reasons, I want to unpack that. I think we feel like that's harsh for two reasons. First reason is, I think we question God when he places boundaries for us. I think 21st century American Christian culture, I think we really struggle with boundaries and and understanding that God is placing boundaries for our good. The second thing is, I think we view prayer as common, right? Through Jesus, we have like 24-7 access to the throne. But the fact is, the Israelites here saw this as anything but common. They were like, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that me, a man from the dust, can meet with God Almighty, who has created and made everything that I've ever seen. You mean I can actually have a conversation with him and understand that the Israelites and the Canaanites have these same origins. And so the Canaanites worshipped the gods of Baal and Asherah and El. And, and so these were gods who were untouchable, unknowable. And so the Israelites are coming from that context and they're saying, wait, God wants to talk to me? He has something to say to me? Like I can know him and, and, and talk to him? It was anything but common. And, and so I, I think, you know, we, we need to keep that in perspective. So let's read on, verse 16 through 19. So it came about on the third day, when it was morning, that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the entire mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. So God has kept his promise to Moses, right, by speaking to him in a way that everybody 
would know and everybody would understand. And it's a kind of a crazy scene. We got trumpets blaring and smoke billowing and fire falling. The whole mountain is literally shaking. And God is speaking to Moses through thunder. And let that put into perspective for us this morning how holy it is for us to be able to meet with God. So often in me, in my life personally, it's so difficult for me to have a meaningful time with God. I'm thinking, okay, put the phone down, turn it over, don't even look at the phone, get the TV off, get the kids settled. And even then, if I'm able to eliminate all the external distractions, I still have all these internal distractions, right? I'm thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing later and what the day is going to be like, and I'm worrying about this. And all these things are in such stark contrast to what is really happening in prayer, when we talk to God. And I think we've been content with a distracted and shallow relationship with Jesus for far too long. We spend hours on our phone and we can't, spend the, can't seem to spend five minutes in prayer. I looked this up. The average time spent daily on a phone has increased to uh, four hours and 23 minutes as of April 2021. That's roughly 66 days out of every year that our faces are in our phones. And don't hear me, phones are not the enemy. Distraction is the enemy. Technology is a good thing, right? But distraction is the number one issue that we have, I think, in our relationship with the Lord. And in contrast, we have Moses here at the at the mountain and the people are at the foot of the mountain and they're literally trembling shaking because of God's presence fire and smoke are happening Yahweh is speaking through thunder and here we are we've we've lost our sense of awe and wonder and fear at the presence of God a few years ago uh, a longtime friend of mine whose prayer life I envy called me up randomly and he said man I just had a vision from God and it was about you. And uh, I said, okay, well, let's hear it, you know. And, and in this vision he had of me, I'm outside in my backyard, and I'm chopping wood. And I'm just chopping wood. I got sweat pouring from my face. I'm frustrated because I'm, in, uh, I, I'm struggling to get anything done. I'm chopping and chopping, and no matter how hard I chop, the wood is not breaking and uh, he did point out that I had yellow shoes on. I used to have these bright yellow vans that I wore. And so he's like, I saw vividly those yellow shoes out there. And so he said, man, I don't have an interpretation for you. Uh, do you? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I mean, it sounds pretty normal. I'm out chopping wood every day. I'm very manly. But, uh, you know, it's just... <laughs> uh, but, you know, and so we kind of talked for a little while about a couple things that could have meant, hung up the phone. But about a week later, a week later, it was just like the Lord dropped it into my, to my heart. It was just like, oh, this is, uh, the yellow shoes represented me being me, doing what I've always done. All right, wake up, take the kids to school, get to work, do ministry, come home, uh, get the kids in bed, rinse and repeat, and do it the next day. And it's like, but the problem is that nobody knew but me that I had been seriously neglecting my prayer time. And so this wood that I'm chopping is a dull axe because I have not spent time in prayer. And so everything that I'm still doing is everything right. But the fact is, without prayer, there was no power. 
John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love what Stanley Jones says. He says, I find I'm better or worse as I pray more or less. If my prayer life sags, my whole life sags with it. If my prayer life goes up, my life as a whole goes up with it. To fail here is to fail all down the line. To succeed here is to succeed everywhere. Exodus 33, 7 through 11, our last chunk of scripture here. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to that tent, that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance, all the people would stand and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. So the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. <clears throat> that last verse gets me every time. That is my favorite Old Testament verse. It's a glimpse, a foretaste into what a relationship with Jesus Christ would look like years later. How amazing is it that the one true God isn't just knowable. He wants to be in relationship with us. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. Why did Moses call it the tent of meeting? Allow me to be facetious for a moment. He didn't call it the tent of maybe meeting. He didn't call it the tent of if I pray hard enough or long enough meeting. He didn't call it the tent of meeting if I've been good this week and so hopefully he's pleased with me now. He called it the tent of meeting because there was no doubt in his mind that he would be meeting with God. There was faith in the label. So often I think we doubt if we'll even hear from God in our prayer time, so why bother? But what if we approached our prayer time with the faith of Moses and said, today I'm meeting with God, and I'm just naive enough to believe that when I talk to him, he's going to talk back to me. Maybe it's an audible voice. Maybe it's a scripture that he brings to mind that fits the moment. Maybe he gives us his peace or his joy or his strength, whatever it is. Maybe we can... Maybe we can establish a faith that says, I'm meeting with God today, and he's going to talk back. Church, because of Jesus, we can go up the mountain. We can have a tent of meeting. We can go up to the mountain and feel it shake and hear his voice like thunder. He's not just the big man upstairs, the impersonable God of the philosophers. He's a deeply personal and relational God whose very being is in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's inviting us into that perfect relationship, that perfect intimacy with him. I wonder if the Israelites were kind of just dropped into our time now. And, and I imagine what they would say about our, our weak prayer life. They'd be like, wait, 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 what are you saying? Like, you can't find time to pray? Didn't you see all the stuff that happened with Moses on the mountain? Like, what do you mean that it's hard for you to focus? 
it wouldn't compute for them because it was such an honor, such a privilege to be able to, to go up the mountain and to have a tent of meeting and to hear God's voice like thunder. So we're going to spend a few minutes in prayer. And then we're going to take communion. Um, but I want us to remember John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That means I can't be the parent I need to be if I'm not going to the tent. It means I can't be the husband I'm supposed to be if I'm not going to the tent. You can't be this, the, uh, the co-worker or the friend or the employee that you're supposed to be if you're not going to the tent. And we definitely can't be true disciples of Jesus if we're not going to the tent. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I know I'm going Baptist on you this morning, but I want us to take this seriously and I want us to eliminate as many distractions as possible. The chair that you're sitting in right now is about to become your tent of meeting today. But just as Moses had faith and said, I'm going to the tent of meeting, and, and just as God spoke to Moses, he can speak to you right now, right there in your tent of meeting, face to face as a friend. So in this moment here, I'm going to guide us through a few moments, but in this moment right here, uh, nothing really needs to be spoken. This moment is about shared presence, and it's an awareness of his presence, a moment shared between you and God. I think about how delightful it is for my kids to come up and sit in my lap and not need anything from me. They just want to be with me. So too, right now in this moment, just be with your father. Share a moment. So God asked the Israelites to clean their garments the three days before Moses went up to Sinai. Let's, in that same way, let's clean up our souls. This is our consecration here. I heard someone say, honesty today creates wellness tomorrow. God is not afraid of your honesty right now. One of my favorite worship leaders says that he goes on what he calls cuss walks with God. He goes through tough times and he, he gives God his raw emotions. He's honest with him. I think God's pleased with that. God wants us right now to learn to go to him in our anger and depression, our bitterness, our anxiety. Instead of our vices, instead of our crutches, let's learn to go, with him, go to him and be honest with him. Maybe life hasn't turned out the way you thought it would. Give God your honest emotions. Confess ways that you've maybe fallen short of his glory.
with your eyes still closed, we're going to move to communion with God. And, and we'll have a minute to grab our elements uh, in a minute, but, but right now, don't worry about that. But this is communion with God. This is our conversation with him. This is when he talks back. And like there were supernatural acts happening in Mount Sinai with fire and smoke and thunder, so too right now through the Holy Spirit we may feel manifestations. It could be warmth in your heart as John Wesley described it. It could be tingling. It could be just emotional healing. It could be comfort, whatever it is. Don't run from that. But just open up yourself to the moving of the Holy Spirit right now. Jesus' last night with his disciples, he took some bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the dinner was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You guys can get your communion cups now if you haven't already. Before we partake, I want you to know that this table is not a Baptist table. It's not a Methodist table, Pentecostal dominant. There's no affiliation of this table. It's the table of Jesus Christ. And he's inviting you, anyone who loves him and seeks to grow in his likeness. Let's pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We've failed to be an obedient church. We've not done your will. We've broken your law. We've rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear this good news, family. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that has proven God's love for us. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Now, if you would, you can take your cup out, open up that first lid, access the bread, and hold it up. This is the body of Christ given for you. Amen. You can partake. open up the juice lid hold it up to me and say this is the blood of Christ shed for you amen you can partake
We're going to sing an a, a altar call song here, and I would just encourage you to continue this posture of prayer and this acknowledgement of God's presence in this tent of meeting that we're in here right now. Don't squander this moment that you have with the Lord. You can come to the altar. The altars are open. You can stay at your seat. But again, be, be honest with the Lord. And, and he's not afraid of your honesty. He's not afraid of your raw emotions.